Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mixon Smokers. If you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And now, here is your host, Mikey K. Hanging out with somebody who you've actually heard on the show before. Now, if you go way, way, way back in the archives, when we kind of first started, um, there was a lovely gentleman by the name of Chris. He used to go by Bruce City Egger. Um, since he's changed his name to Titletown Griller, uh, reason being is he moved out of, or moved out, not out of Wisconsin, but he moved out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. So for all you guys who are big, big Green Bay Packer fans, he's not, he can't stand them. He thinks they're the worst team ever. Um, but that's just, that's just fuel for you guys just, just, you know, for his fire right there. Um, this lovely gentleman is, he is on Team Green, so um, for anyone that doesn't know what Team Green is, it is the pro team for Big Green Egg, so we probably will talk a little bit Big Green Egg tonight, we'll talk about some other stuff, um, but he is he, apparently 2017 Egtoberfest world champion, is that true, Chris? Yes, sir, it certainly was, we... Uh... We had a good team, and we uh, ended up taking home People's Choice in 2017 after finishing second in uh, 2016. Wow. What would you guys cook? Oh, boy. That's the way, way back machine. Um, 2017, we had some beer braised brisket tostadas with a smoked beer cheese hatch chili sauce. I think that was our number one um, kind of thing that we were pushing. We had some pulled pork quesadillas with the cilantro line crema. We had... Um, Asian pork belly burnt ends with an Asian slaw and some Reuben wontons. We had some homemade pastrami that we made, smoked it and made wontons with, uh, uh, Swiss cheese and, um, sauerkraut and then did like a little thousand island drizzle on it. So yeah, we had uh, quite a few little dishes. I feel like, um, 2017 was like the year of wontons. I feel like a (laughs) lot of people were doing wontons. Am I yeah, wrong? Yeah, you know, it's 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 something different, you know, and it's not something people usually think about on a grill. And, you know, again, deep frying on a grill might not be the safest thing to do. But if you do it correctly, you know what you're doing. We do I it like anyways. doing it that way because then I don't stink up my house. Yeah, we do it anyways. It's fun. Yeah. Um, we did chicken and waffles for an event, and uh, we were deep frying on, the, uh, on a cooker. And uh, everyone was like... Should you be doing that on a PK grill? I'm like, no, probably not. No. <laughs> you know, typically when I do it on my grill, I'm doing it in my, uh, you know, antique cast iron number eight chicken fryer. So, I mean, you know, this thing is from, you know, the early 1900s and they were using that over open flame to do it for how many years, as long as you're smart yeah. about your oil level and you're not putting in frozen, you know, frozen food into it, you'll, you'll be okay. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest, like, especially when you're deep frying anything, is you have to remember that uh, the food that you're putting in takes space, right? Um, <laughs> which I think is a big 
big uh, a big mess up for most people. Uh, the other thing that you have to remember is if it's frozen, it's going to bubble way harder because uh, it's correct. Re- it's releasing moisture and it's releasing water into the oil, which is not uh, not friendly to it, right? Correct. Water and oil don't mix uh, very well together. Exactly. So don't throw frozen shit in there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, otherwise, I think I think it's I think it's relatively safe if you're somewhat smart. Correct. You know, if you're either using the Dutch oven, you know, yeah. I've even used a wok on it, which has even higher sides, so I have a little bit more room for error. Yeah, if you use the wok, so. it gives it kind of almost gives you a little bit more, like you said, a little bit more room for error, especially since it kind of like it bowls out. Mm-hmm. So unlike the unlike the Dutch ovens that kind of have the, those straighter walls, um, you have almost more room for it to kind of bubble. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I feel like 2017 was the was the year of the uh, wonton. I feel like I've, a lot of people were doing it. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know it, it can catch on, and then people see that and they draw a little bit of inspiration from it. They're like, okay, well, what can I throw in a wonton that you wouldn't expect? Which is kind of where we kind of went with the uh, Reuben idea. Yeah. You know, we're like, you know, we kind of wanted to do some homemade pastrami. We're like, well, how can we serve that to people in a way that. You know, they're not expecting it or maybe haven't seen it. And, you know, we came up with the wonton. I, I think we did egg rolls the year before. We did some pulled pork mac and cheese egg rolls. So we're like, ah, can't do an egg roll. Let's try a wonton. Let's try a wonton. No, no more egg rolls. We already got too many of them. Yep. Um, and, it, yeah, I think it was just very – I think that was very much that year. Um, I haven't seen wontons really that much since, probably because a lot of people figured out that they are um, hell to make. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of labor. Like, yeah, I mean, when we were doing it for that size of an event, too, oh, where yeah. were, you know, there's two, 3,000 tasters, and we, I think we had three people that were just folding wontons for about six hours straight. Luckily, oh. we had chairs for them so they could sit down, because we did everything on site. We didn't want to make them all beforehand. Um, you know, we had chairs where they could sit down so at least they could save their backs, but, I mean, they were amazing. They just sit there and whipped out wontons and... And cursed you every minute of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> now, when did you officially join B- Team Big Green Egg? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, it's been about a year now. Is it? Okay, it's been a year. Yeah. Yep. For some so reason, been... I thought it was almost almost two years. Um, it's only, well, it's been official for about a year. You know, it was kind of in the works for a while, so I was kind of, you know, low-key working with them before it was completely announced. Okay. But yeah, it's been a, you know officially announced for a little over, you know, for just around a year now. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a big green egg to me was what I would call kind of my gateway drug. You know, it was kind of where I started and kind of what really drew me into this whole world of barbecue and grilling. It was, you know, I got actually with my old man, my, my dad got his egg first and, you know, by cooking on a few times with him, I'm like, all right, March next year rolls around. I'm getting one. And you, you got an XL first, right? I had a large first. Was so it? I started with a large. Um, right now, my large is actually at my um, father-in-law's house. So he's been baby. I, I tell him he's babysitting it for me. But really, it was just kind of getting him into it now. And he's uh, planning on uh, retiring soon. And he's, you know, all of a sudden, he's just like, you know, he's texting me pictures of food that he cooks. He's like, look at this. You know, so he's, he's, he's having fun with it. So right now, I have an XL and a Mini Max. Okay, yeah, that's the same setup that I have. Is it, yeah. It's an XL and a Mini Max. Um, and I think... For anyone that's looking for two eggs, 
I, I don't know if I'm just biased because that's my setup, but I feel like that is one of the best setups you can have. For, for my reasoning being, the XL gives me enough space to do briskets mm-hmm. where I feel like the large doesn't. Um, I feel like I'm always like playing um, almost like Tetris on a large. It is, you know, you you would struggle doing a whole uh, packer or a whole packer brisket on a uh, yeah. large. Now you can fit two, um, you know, pork butts on the main level, and if you have a second level, you can fit one, maybe two, on on a large. I mean, you can comfortably fit fit three pork butts on a large, but I mean, Correct. an XL, you know, if you get creative with it, you can do five probably. I think the most I've ever had on my XL with a second rack, I think I've actually had seven. Wow. But that was like really kind of squeezing them in. Yeah, like we needed to get them in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, we had to get them in, and and I wasn't fully comfortable with the seven. I'd I'd rather have been like six or even even five, but um, we had to get the cook done, so we did it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you can cook them. You just might not get the whole uniform bark that you want if you have to have them touching a little bit more than you want. Exactly. But exactly. The end product will still taste good. Exactly. That's kind of what, what we had is like the, the uniform bark wasn't there that I wanted. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time we pulled it. So yeah, that's just the perfectionist in you. You know, you're not gonna, no one's going to notice at the end of mm-hmm. the day, no one's going to be like, this part could have had more bark. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Right. Could've, but you know, it, it was perfectly fine. Um, now, since you've joined Team Bigger and Egg, they've made a couple adjustments. Obviously, you have some of the new toys. You have their new rack system, which mm-hmm. is quite interesting. I feel like for anyone that hasn't seen their new rack system, it works really, really well. Yeah, so it's the Expander, it's called. Um, and, you know, I was a little bit like, oh, you know, is this something that I really need? Because I was able to kind of rig up, you know, a second level somehow. And then I got my hands on it, and I was like, you know, for me, that's a game changer, especially with the XL. Um, you know, there's so the much more real estate. I think the slide on it, the slide on it is the game oh, changer. The slide on it's really slick, but just all the different setups. I mean, I'm still looking at this and finding ways of uh, things that you can do. So one thing that I really like about it is if you have just the basin, you don't even have to have the second level on it, but if you just had the basin put your normal grill rack on it, it raises it up to the level of the felt. So I always like doing just that, you know, that raised direct grid on my other cooks. Cause it just gives you just a little bit more space in between uh, yeah. where the fire is and where your grid is. So you have a little less flare ups. Like when I do um, spatchcock chickens, I usually do mine around 425. So I do them a little bit hotter, a little bit quicker, giving it up just that little, you know, three inches a little bit higher from where the normal rack is does make a big difference. Um, but I love all the half moon accessories. So it's easy to do half of the XL indirect with half of it direct. Um, you know, you can have be switching things back and forth, or you could easily have, you know, I got my, my protein cooking on the direct side with my two levels of my indirect side. I got two different side dishes that are just kind of roasting. Yeah. And just kind of give it, give it a little bit of color to them and not, nothing's getting, nothing's getting burned. Correct. And then the, the base itself for the expander, you can use that as your walk ring. So you can just set my walk right in it. I made some uh, cashew chicken just last night nice. um, and that worked really well. Um, I saw somebody do it where they took the paella pan and put that right inside that inside ring to bring that down a little bit deeper, which is another you know great idea. 
So, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, um, uses for it. The only downside is, is now before I cook, it actually makes me think, you know, like, how do I want to set this up? Ah, yes, because now now you actually can, right? Mm-hmm. Where where beforehand it wasn't really uh you kind of it was kind of almost like mindless because you knew exactly where you were going with it. Right, right. This is how it's got to be. You're going to either do it direct or indirect. And, yeah. Right. And I will say, I mean, I don't I don't have the new expansion kit. I don't have it, but I've cooked on it uh, numerous mm-hmm. times. Paul has it, um, so I've cooked on it. It made me kind of really love it. And if I was cooking on my egg as much as you were cooking on your egg, mm-hmm. uh, I'd probably have it. But I cook four days a week on the mixin. So mm-hmm. <laughs> what Which I'm one just, do you have again? You have, you have the water have, mixin, right? I have, I have the H2O, yeah. Okay. So I yeah, have the my, H2O. Uh, my dad's got one of those too, and it's it's slick for when he loads that up with a bunch of pork butts. And, you know, I like the way that those things cook. Dude, honestly, it cooks so well. And you don't need to add moisture because the chamber has so much moisture from that water just boiling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yet I still get really good crust and still get really good bark. And I know that's like some like so many people are like, you can still get crust. And it's like, yeah, well, why wouldn't oh, yeah. I be able to? And they're like, because there's just so much moisture, like the water, the water. And it's like, yeah, but the water plays plays a couple different roles. It adds mm-hmm. moisture, but it also helps like even out your pit temp in the sense of when you open the doors if you have to add something if you have to open your doors you're not losing the heat as quickly (coughs) excuse me you're not losing the heat like completely you know what i mean it's not Mm -hmm. a 45 minute recovery right right to get that bounced you know bounce back up um so are you when you barbecue are, are you a hot and fast guy I'm in the middle, I would okay. say. I would say, because um, I feel like guys are pushing hot and fast way, like, way more insane now. I'm like 275, 300. If I go up okay. to 325 that day, that's fine. But I'm never like 350, 375. Sure. You know what I mean? There's some guys that are 350, 375. Now, there was one day, dude, we got... uh we got pork butts in, right? And these things, I don't know what what pig these came from, but I swear to you, they were like 13-pound shoulders. <laughs> they were fucking massive. Big fat caps, really nice. They were, and it wasn't like a big fat cap, like way too much of a fat cap was left on. It was just a, a good size fat cap, right? Right. And we were doing them for an event, and... I threw them on the mixin. I started at like my normal time, 3 a.m. Started everything. Everything was going. The event wasn't until 5, so I'm like, I should be perfectly fine. Cruising at 300 degrees will be perfectly fine. My briskets are coming off. They're getting wrapped. They're, they're good to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my shoulders, I'm temping. They're like 110. Whoa. After like five, after five and a half hours, I'm like, these fucking things aren't going to finish. Like there, there's just no way. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. Here's what we're going to do. We got convection ovens in the, in the, in the, uh, in the kitchen. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn on the convection oven to 350. See what happens. 
You know what I mean? Because then you're getting good confection heat. It's the only thing in the oven. It's not getting, you know, no heat's getting drawn to anywhere else. Yeah, it should rotate through. And... It should rotate through really nicely. So right. I, I wrap them, throw them in the oven. And the only reason I'm doing this in the oven is, A, they've already taken most of the smoke. They've been in there for five and a half hours. Um, they have a decent bark. So I know that I just need, I need to fit, I need to tenderize these things. And I need to finish them out, right? So, and I'm, and time's not on my side. <laughs> no, no, you're uh, sweating it out at this point. Yeah, like time's not on my side. And I'm like, I temp them in an hour. They've literally gone up like 10 degrees. I'm like, I'm like, fuck it. I literally turned the oven to 450. Yeah. Just cranked it. <laughs> and I'm texting one of my buddies. And I'm like, hey, you ever do a pork butt at 450? He's like, no. Why? I'm like, we're going to try it right now. And he's like, you let me know how that fucking thing turns out. I literally finished like 35 minutes before we had to leave. Jeez. 35 minutes before we had to leave. So what I did is I just left them because I knew like the event was 45 minutes away. So I'm like, okay, cool. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to leave them wrapped, leave them in the Cambro Mm -hmm. and just go to the event and pull them there. At least it'll get some kind of rest time. Right? Yeah. Something. It's better than me just pulling them out of a 450 oven and throwing my hands into them. Um, Oh, right. Which I've done before and it's not a pleasant sight. Uh, it's also not a pleasant feeling pulling 200 degree pulled pork apart, um, with your bare hands, uh, no. or gloved hands, you know what I mean? But, uh, um, right. so we, we rest them, whatever I pull them apart. Dude, these things are juicy. They're falling apart. Everyone was coming up that night being like, that's the best pulled pork I've ever had. I'm like, how, <laughs> like, how did that work? Yeah, I mean, I'm a hot and fast guy, so I did a couple of pulled or a couple of pork butts. Now they were probably only about eight pounds each, um, probably two weeks ago, and it took me four hours and forty five minutes total. You know, I had it at three twenty five. Once it got to one sixty, I wrapped it and I actually turned my egg up to four hundred until it, you know, cruised into you know two oh. I think by the time I got out there, it was two oh five. Yeah, I mean you're you're fine. I know. Yeah. Normally, what we do is we put. I put four hours of smoke on my on my pork butts, and okay. then they get wrapped. And no, normally they're right around like 150, 155. Right. And that five degrees, I'm not, I'm not worrying about that. It's not going to take that much more smoke in that five degrees. Not a big no, deal. No, I mean, I, I think really meat, once it gets to 145, the collagen swells enough where you're not going to get much more penetration anyway. There's, no, there's not. Right. And not to mention, like, when you're cooking over real wood, like real logs. Mm-hmm. It's so much different smoke penetration because oh, the sure. smoke is just it, it goes in it like hits it, it you know it's a hard hitter. So I put I put about four to four and a half hours of smoke on them. Uh, sometimes because I do the same thing with my briskets and sometimes the briskets are temping a little bit higher. So I'm pulling briskets first and I'll just leave the shoulders on for another half an hour while I wrap briskets. But. Um, I will wrap, you know, I'll wrap my wrap my shoulders and I wrap them inside foil pans and I just foil over the top of them and then they sure. go back in the cooker. And the reason I do that is because they're still going to render so much moisture. Mm-hmm. I want to catch all that moisture in there. 
And then I because once you pull it, it'll kind of just soak it right back up. Exactly. I shred them in those pans, and then they just pull all that moisture and all that flavor right back into themselves. Mm. Awesome. It's the best way to do it. And I mean, I'm cooking like like I said, I'm probably two seventy five, three hundred. Um, okay. So I'm twenty five degrees below you. I'm not. I, I just know a lot of dudes that are like staying hot and fast are now like 350, 375. And I'm just like, man, whew. I got a buddy who, who does competition barbecue, dude. He throws his briskets on at 500 degrees. Oh, wow. He's cooking on a drum, too. Wow. Yeah, my, uh, my uh, dad, he uh, helped out with a competition barbecue for a few years in there. And, you know, they cooked on a mix in for their barbecue. Uh, for their comps and they, yeah. you know, they were hot and fast. So they would, you know, I don't think they, you know, they didn't start their briskets at like midnight, you know, their briskets, he said they were usually done in, you know, four or five hours. Yeah. I, I think I get a full packer brisket done in probably set six to seven hours. Okay. Which is, I mean, I think that's relatively fast. I think um, it is too. I think a lot of people do the, you know, 12 to 16 hours on theirs. Which is great. I love the low and slow. I do, but commercially, I, cooking on a stick burner commercially, mm-hmm. man, you wouldn't sleep. I, and I don't sleep much anyway, so it doesn't matter. Because I mean, the <laughs> events that we're doing, I'm at an event till like eleven, and then by you know by the time we get back, three a.m. comes quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, we get them on, we do them. Uh, but I, I think I like the results that I'm getting. I really do. I, and I, I'm able to give those briskets a little bit longer of a rest, too. And it, it they're just coming out really, really nice. And I, I'm, I'm happy with them. So, yeah, now when, you do, uh, when you do your events, are you slicing your brisket or are you chopping some of it? Um, most of our brisket at events is chopped. Yeah. And I do it for this reason. Um. Educating the customer is really difficult inside of a brewery. Um, mm-hmm. When they're at a restaurant, it's completely different. You can educate them because they're standing in front of you and you can say, hi, what would you like? Would you like the fatty or would you like the lean part? And when they're like, I want the lean part, you're like, all the flavors in the point. Exactly. You know? So what we do is we chop it so that it can all get mixed together. And then they get a little bit of the lean. They get a little bit of the fatty. And then it all kind of balances out. You know, yeah, they all get that flavor. I mean, and, and again, people got to realize that, uh, you know, we're in the Midwest. Yeah. So, you know, the barbecue culture isn't what it is up here as it is down in, like, a place like Texas where, you know, they better know the difference between fatty and lean brisket. Yeah. And that's the thing. They don't. You know what I mean? They, right. A lot of people are just like, oh, I just want brisket. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea. Like, it just doesn't, like, they don't know the difference. Like, right. if you're, like, fatty or lean, they're like, no, no, brisket. And it's like, okay, yeah, we'll just start there. You know what I mean? Like, they just don't know, they don't understand the differences. Just like, I mean, we're, we're in this crazy, like, pandemic that, that, that that's going on, right? And all the food was like, you know, Costco's were going crazy, and I was, I was inside of Costco, right? And this guy grabs, um grabs a brisket and he's looking at it i'm like like yeah it's a brisket there buddy and he's like yeah man he's like i don't really know what this is but it's a big hunk of meat but it's a big hunk of meat and it's really like the only thing they have left i'm like yeah 
like you're gonna have to cook that thing low and slow or you know kind of really know how to render it out he's like man i've never cooked one before i have no idea what i'm doing but i'm gonna buy it he's like i think i'm just gonna go he's like i think i'm just gonna kind of sear it like a steak oh like enjoy shoe leather oh it's just sad you know what I mean? But enjoy shooting. Like, that thing's going to be so tough. It is. You know, I mean, I would I would rather have him throw it in a crock pot. Oh, yeah. Or, like, make some kind of stew that. out of it. Right. You know what I mean? Chop slow her up. Slow cook it and shred it. Right. Just let her go. L- l- just slow cook it and shred it. I mean, one of my favorite things actually to do is um, is to take chuck roast. Mm-hmm. Right? And and smoke it. And I actually got this from Ben, from Grill Hop Anonymous, Ben. Um, yep. So what he would do is he he took took chuck roast, smoked it till it hit about um, one seventy five. Then he pulled it and he put it into a foil pan and he would add beer, pepper stout beef. Yep, yep. Beer, peppers, onions, and all that stuff, and just put it in there and just let it go. Right, right. And finish it out and then shred it out into that. All the juices go into it. It's dude, it's fantastic. Oh, it's it one is. Of my ben, favorite things to do. Ben's a great guy. You know, I, I love that guy. He's been taking his um, hiatus from uh, um, social media over Into the past, you know, since since twenty twenty. But you know, I've, I've had you know, I, I still talk to him, and I've had a couple conversations with him, and it comes back to that. I'm like Ben, my f- favorite cook that you do is your pepper stout beef. Dude, it's so it, good. It is. It's so good. And, you know, unfortunately, my wife does not like slow cooked beef. I think she was scarred from. Growing up, she said she'd walk in her house and could smell when her mom was doing slow-cooked beef in the uh, crock pot, and she will not do it. But I'll do cooks like that for my you know, meal prep for the week. I'm like, if you don't like it, that's fine. I'll just eat it every day for lunch this week. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fantastic. And we've done it. We've thrown it on our menu a couple times, and it, it's done mm-hmm. really well. And then it kind of tapered off a little bit because I think people, like, didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... The first few times they ordered it and they were like, this is really, really good. And then we started doing it a little bit more and then people were like, where's the brisket? <laughs> Why did you take brisket off? So we're like, okay, cool. We, we threw brisket back on the menu. But um, we still do it for like special occasions and it, it's, it's just a very interesting way to do a cut of meat that most people don't think about. Right. You know, it's, it's, you know, chuck roast. Um, every once in a while, the stores up here will have like English chuck roast on sale too, which is, you know, very similar. It just has that thick kind of cartilage fat that runs down the center of it that you have to trim out. But again, it's another one of those cuts of beef where, you oh, know, see, if you they, really they just call that chuck roast here. Okay. So they... yeah, we got, we got a few different types of they'll call it. I, I don't know if they just, you know, one of those things where, Hey, we've, let's call this English and we can yeah. sell it for, no, I, but, I mean, dude, there, there's a butcher shop right by my house. That they, I work with them all the time. They're fantastic humans. It's called Butcher on the Block. If you're in Lake in the Hills, Illinois, go go see Butcher on the Block. Tell them I sent you. Um, they they got some beautiful cuts of cu- cuts of meat. And the funny thing is, um, I I joke around with him. I joke around with them all the time because they call their tri tip a ranch roast. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? Why the fuck is it called a ranch roast? It's a fucking tri-tip. <laughs> how how hard is it for you to find tri-tip? Uh, with him, I mean, with with them being there now, it, it's it's getting a little bit more. Um, 
more available, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm starting to see more places, more places carry it. Uh, there's a couple new butcher shops that just opened up in the city um, and around the city that are that are actually calling it tri-tip. Okay. Which is nice because there's another butcher shop in the city that calls it a London broil. Wow. Um, but they call it a ranch roast. And I'm like, why? I'm like, why do you call it a tri-tip? Or why do you call it a ranch roast? It's a fucking tri-tip. Just call it a tri-tip. He goes, I will call. He's like, if I put tri-tip on it, he goes, it will sit in my case all week long. He goes, the minute I change the verbiage to ranch roast, he goes, we sell them out that day. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, up up here, I know of like two, maybe three butcher shops that that have it. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, like I talked about my uh, father-in-law, how I got him, you know, to start doing yeah. some grilling. And, you know, Hain Meats in uh, one of the towns that I grew up in, Kakana, Wisconsin, they, they have it in their case. And, and they you know, call I got him to try that. Call and, and they call it tri-tip. Okay. Yep. They call it tri-tip. And it's, you know, I had him make that. It's like, he's like, this is fantastic. He goes, you cook it right. You do the reverse sear. And it's one of the best steaks you'll ever have. Oh, um, yeah. There's another one that's more local to me now in De Pere, um, Wasita Farms, where they have they have a place in De Pere. And then their their ranch is actually up in Door County, where if you you know look at Wisconsin, it's kind of like your hand. Yeah, Door, Door County, County is, is where yeah. your thumb would be. And he's like, yeah, he goes, we tried to get it. We even called it a, a, a Door County roast so people could kind of, you know, see that. Associate, and, yeah. Right. And they're like, we just can't sell it. And I'm like, it's 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 a shame, really, because that actually is one of my favorite cuts of beef to cook. And you almost wonder, you're like, why? Why can mm-hmm. you not sell it? I just Again, don't understand it, it. It might be the byproduct of where I think the grilling culture and barbecue culture itself is finally, you know, starting to pick up in the Midwest. But I think we are a little bit behind from what, you know, other places are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think we're definitely behind from where, what our other places yeah. are. But you I, know, I think, think we were so fucking weird that like try to, it, and I think so many people are starting to talk about it here in the Midwest that it's finally starting to, to come up, but it's expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking like eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine a pound. Some some are eleven ninety nine a pound, mm-hmm. and that's that's. I mean, that's kind of expensive. Granted, that like, if you look at it, I mean, I can get a tri tip for what at a, at eight ninety nine a pound. Usually, they're about two and a half pounds. Correct. So let's say it's 24 25 bucks with tax or whatever um even if even if you call it an even 30 right because because of the other places that are a little bit higher price so you Mm -hmm. get it for an even 30 bucks i can feed four people with it yeah oh yeah so if you break it down it's still like eight dollars you're you're not gonna get four ribeyes for 30 bucks exactly and it's and it's such a great steak you know if you reverse sear it Man, I, I, I don't I don't know how many people we've done reverse sears for that are like, dude, what is this exactly? And I'm like, oh well it's uh you know, it's a tri-tip and we reverse seared it. They're like, dude, this is so good. You reverse sear it and you make sure that you slice it against the grain and it's yep. you know, it's it's tough to beat. I mean it's there's a lot of flavor in it. Um it's a hearty steak, you know, or it's a hearty cut of beef or a hearty roast. So one thing that 
you know, tri-tip, I think, is one of those cuts that holds up to a caveman sear well, too. Um, yes. But then you can use it as a vehicle for other flavors, too. I mean, tri-tip with homemade chimichurri is, you know, one of my all-time favorite meals. Yeah. I mean, dude, you can do so many things. Mm-hmm. So many, so many things with it. Um, you can do tri-tip sandwiches. That's actually one of my favorite things to do. Um is, you know, if me and the wife just have it, if me and Amanda just do it, like, we won't eat a whole tri-tip. No. There's just no way, right? Which I love that because I get to have the tri-tip that night as, you know, tri-tip and whatever, and then I'll slice it real thin Mm -hmm. and make a steak sandwich. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, you get some really nice bread. Breakfast sandwich the next day. Oh, Ooh, that that sounds good too. Like steak and eggs breakfast. Steak sandwich? and eggs. Yep. Broken yolk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that is, you know, and, and if we do the uh, the chimichurri, throwing a little chimichurri on there with the egg, and then you know, again, you know, the the nice bread, lightly toasted, so it's not so crunchy when you bite into it. It hurts your you know your teeth, but just a little bit of that bite back, and that's that's uh, you know heaven right there. That sounds that sounds great. See, man, but that's what I love about it. You can repurpose it so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I'll also do, like, if I don't repurpose it in the morning and I just want to make just, like, a regular, you know, sandwich, what I'll do is I'll throw it into a throw it into a Ziploc bag, throw it into, um, throw it into some water and um, sous vide it back up to 125 degrees, 130 degrees, whatever just to get it up to a nice warmer temperature and it mm-hmm. keeps so much of it, of its moisture when you oh, do it that it, way. Isn't that a great tool to have to uh, re- reheat your meat? Oh yeah. You just know, if, if, if you have the time to be able to do that, you know, where you're thinking ahead and like, Hey, I'm going to throw in the sous vide. It's not going to overcook it. It's going to warm it up to where it was when it came off the grill. It's yep. going to sit in its juices and it's fantastic. Yeah. But it's not even, it doesn't even take that long to reheat though. No. It, it's it's because you know it's not like you're cooking it from raw right so so it actually relatively reheats pretty quickly plus it slices instead of yeah know, exactly. Whole roast. exactly it's like you so it's you know it's not as much mass to have to penetrate it through mm-hmm. but I think the CV I mean man you can do so much good stuff with it like we'll do um I mean shit I'll see via a tri-tip and then just sear on the on the cooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably one of my favorite ways to do it. Cause I, I love, um, I love that I can put so much flavor into that soup, like into the sous vide bag. Mm-hmm. I can add different things. You know, I'll, I'll throw in like whole glo- cloves of garlic, chop them up, throw them in there. And it's not something that's going to sear and burn on a cooker you know, while it's coming up to temp, it right. just infuse because it releases all the oils and infuses so nicely. Yeah, you know, a little, uh, I do like to throw a little fat in with mine. So, you know, either if it's butter or even just oh, a little bit course, of light yeah. olive oil. Yeah. Um, you know, the garlic is great. Even, you know, rosemary and thyme are two of my favorites. I, I always have those out in my. Um, in your cooking? Um, in my herb garden, yeah. So it's like right there and, 
you know, what, what, what I do is I always have, you know, a couple of plants of each and when it gets overgrown during the summer, I'll cut it down and throw it in gallon Ziploc bags and thyme and um, rosemary actually freeze really, really well. Do they really? They, they don't yeah. go bad? Those, those freeze really well. So I always have two thyme, two lemon thyme, because I love the smell of the lemon thyme, and then two rosemaries. And I have a bag of each in my freezer every year, uh, which I just used some tonight, too. I made uh, some uh, little tips, um, some tenderloin tips, and uh, put some of that thyme on there, and it you know, it, it holds nicely. Parsley and basil, they just turn black. But the um, rosemary and thyme, you can just throw them in a gallon Ziploc bag and keep them in your freezer. Okay. I didn't know that they would hold that long. Yeah, those those are great. You know, I love to pull them out and, you know, in the middle of winter and throw them in soups and, you know, or just, you know, as a little bit of uh, extra flavor in the sous vide bag. Now, how many soups do you do? Do you do any soups in your Dutch oven on the grill? Mm-hmm. I will. Um Again, one of the biggest things that I like to play around with is different ways to layer flavors. Yeah. You know, and uh, when I do spatchcock chickens, I have a gallon, a couple of gallons of black bags where I keep my spines. Um, yeah. You know, when I, when I cut them, so I keep the spines in there and that makes really good broth. You know, I can start that all on the egg and just let that kind of simmer on a Dutch oven, you know, with the top off um, and just kind of let that simmer. You know, I, and I might have to add a little bit of extra, you know, water because with the top off, you're going to lose... A little bit, of, of course. Yeah, just a little bit of that. But I, but, but I still think you get an extra layer of flavor when you're adding a little bit of smoke to it. Um, now, have you ever taken? So what we've actually done a couple times is after doing whole chickens and we pull them completely, mm-hmm. um, we'll just take the carcasses and we'll throw them in a stock pot and boil them down. Yeah, if I'm going to be doing it the same day, I will. Um, I usually do that around Thanksgiving time because I love turkey so um this year i think i did two whole extra birds and just shredded it all right away to make shredded turkey sandwiches okay which we're still able to eat now which i'm you know thankful that we have that nowadays because hey with everything going on it's nice to have a few bags of that in the freezer but yeah so i'll took I, i took like two whole birds where i pretty much just shredded it um, I took the carcasses, the spines, the neck, all the gizzards that I didn't use for that one and just threw it all in a stock pot and just kind of let that go for a day. And I took some of that turkey and made um, some turkey noodle soup out of it, too. Yeah, dude, I think that's one of my favorite ways to make a smoked um, chicken soup mm-hmm. because I feel like the the carcass brings in so much of the smoke, right? And it releases it into the, into the water. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It releases it into that. And then it just becomes this like smoked smoked soup without having to put it on the cooker. Right. And and I know it's, I don't think it's necessarily a, a cheating way considering you've smoked the whole bird. So <laughs> Oh right. No, I, I would totally agree with you. I mean, because you're putting in you know, you're gonna put the meat back in that smoked. Exactly. The, the broth, you, even though you're not making it on the smoker, it um, you know, it's still smoked and, you know, and when you do it that way, your house smells amazing. Yeah. 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 You know, you just let that simmer on there for six hours and your whole house is just going to smell fantastic. Yeah. You, you know, you walk outside, you walk back in, you're like, mm, that smells good. Yeah. You know, and that's just comfort food. You know, that's the type of thing that, you know, when I grow, when, when, when I was growing up, when my parents would make soup, I would love it, you know, and, you know, like I said, my dad's into grilling, so he's doing some of that stuff now. He maybe wasn't doing it then, so now it's just a matter of kind of taking those comfort foods maybe that we grew up with and kind of elevating it to a new level. I was going to say adding them to the grill or 
um, adding them to the big green egg type cooker where um, you're kind of just using it as a heat source. You know what I mean? But there's there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a flavor uh, that is being added to that to that sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. You know what I mean? Um, I I love being able to do it on a cooker and being able to play with different cookers. You know, I got a couple different ones in the backyard and. Uh, it just allows me to play. <laughs> it does, you know, and it's and it's just kind of therapeutic sometimes too to be just like you know, I I don't like cooking stuff on a grill just to cook stuff on a grill, but when there's stuff like that where you can say you know what I think I can add an extra layer of flavor to this, yeah, by doing it on a grill, I I enjoy doing it that way. Yeah. I sort of, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I enjoy the fact that I'm adding flavor and I'm using smoke as as a flavor profile. I'm mm-hmm. not using smoke just to smoke. You know what I mean? I'm it, it enhances whatever I'm doing. Exactly. And that's the way that I look at it. I look at it as it's part of the flavor profile. So if I'm using a flavor profile, it has to incorporate that to make sense. Yeah. And now you have, a, you have another another sponsor that I kind of want to talk about. Um, you work very, very closely with a beef company. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I've been working with uh, um, Snake River Farms for this past, actually since January it's been uh, you know, official. I've been one of their influencers, and um, what a great company. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a great company to work with. You know, I, I've been kind of, I, I use grilling and cooking as my therapy. I'm not trying to get, you know, you know, social media famous with it. It's been fun doing that. You know, I love all the experiences that social media has brought to me, but I, I kind of choosy with what companies that I, you know, want to work with. I want to work with companies that I believe in companies that have, um, good products first, you know, first and foremost, I'm not going to, you know, want to sell a product and say, Hey, you know, this, uh, go check this out when it sucks. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say this is great, but it's, you know, really, you know, not, not a good product. I mean, they have great products and you know, really the, the people that I interact with are, are, are good people too. So that makes it a lot, uh, you know, a lot easier and a lot, you know, more fun to work with, but man, some of the products that I've been able to try over these past, you know, four months have been amazing. Yeah. Dude, we I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I just think that uh, it, it's being able to work with a company that you believe in. It, it really helps. Like we work with Jealous Devil, and um, <clears throat> I'm on the I'm on the Jealous Devil team now. And mm-hmm. dude, that shit fucking. Have you used any of that? I have not. I've had some friends that have, and they've really liked it. I you know it's, they, it's, they tell me that it gets hotter. It does get hotter. Um, it's hard to find still. It's hard to find. Um, I know a lot of people will tell me, they're like, well, I can't find it. Um, and they're like, it's kind of expensive. I'm like, it is expensive, but it gets hotter. It burns a little bit longer, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's cleaner. Like, what I mean by cleaner is I'm not getting a shit ton of sparking when I'm mm-hmm. starting my cooker, which, first of all, I love. They also make these compressed logs. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't use them at, like I, people are like compressed logs kind of sounds like a pellet. Yeah. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> I'm a big component against pellets. 
But the reason I like the compressed logs, it's not I'm not using them to like run my cooker, but I I use them in the mixing, and I use it just to start my fire. Because they burn so hot and so like clean, mm-hmm. and that I could just get that log started and then throw my logs around it, and I don't have to. I literally don't have to worry about anything else because once I know that that thing is is ignited, I don't have to worry about getting my fire, like all my other wood on fire because it'll it'll literally just spread it, and and take care of it. You know what I mean? And so I get a good coal base going using that. So I, I kind of started loving using those things to start the mixing with. Well, and it's, it's nice when you get clean smoke from it too. I mean, cause that's, that's another, you know, thing that you yeah. worry about sometimes with, you know, some of the lower quality charcoals is when you start it, you get this thick black smoke and you're like, all right, oh. well, I have to wait 45 minutes before we're out of that blue smoke or that, you know, that thick smoke that's just going to make my, food tastes like ash before I can actually cush on or, you know, cook on it. So, you know, when you get that nice, clean, hot smoke, you know, um, my buddy, Rich, he's, uh, at Polish Q barbecue on uh, Instagram. He, he uses the, um, jealous devil and he, you know, the, the compressed logs he used to start his pizza oven, which I'm like, you know, that looks like it's perfect for that, you know, for that style of, uh, cooker too. You know, you can easily stack it. It's nice and uniform. You can, can control that. Yes. Which, um, so my buddies at, uh, at North American Pizza Kit, North American, North American Pizza Culinary Academy. Um, okay. Sorry, it's the hardest thing, damn thing to say. Um, they actually use Jealous Devil also. And, man, dude, they use it in their pizza ovens. And they're like, it's just, they're like, it's nice, it's stackable, it's easy. You know, everything's the same size. So when they're when they're trying to train somebody, the nice thing for for them is if they're using something that's compressed and tra- you know the same size, the learning curve kind of helps. You know what right, I mean? Because you can say like, "Hey, you're throwing one of these." Where if like for me when I'm trying, I've had a couple of people that have tried to learn the mix in with me, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Yeah, no problem. I'd love to teach you." But so like then I start breaking down like. Uh, well, you're throwing a log in right now. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to throw this one in. And I'm like, no, 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 that one's too big. Well, how do you know it's too big? Well, cause we only need to really go, I'm like, we've only dropped like 15, not even 15 degrees. And if you throw one of those in, it's going to skyrocket it up 50. And mm-hmm. like, but how do you know that? I'm like, cause I just, I just do like, it's too thick of a log. You know what I mean? It's not going to, it's not going to ignite fast enough. And it's going to, you know, it's going to smolder a little bit. I'd rather have a little bit thinner of a log and it, you know. Right. So when you use the, uh, the compressed logs, you take one of the variables out. They know, okay, I add this. I know exactly what it's going to do. Exactly. And that, that yeah. helps them. I mean, for me, I obviously, we, we don't use the compressed logs through the entire cook because the compressed logs are extremely expensive uh, mm-hmm. in comparison to a regular log. Yeah, in comparison to a piece of oak, right? Because yeah, I, I, exactly. if I remember right, you're an oak guy. Yeah, we use all oak. Reason, it's just the easiest to get. You know what I mean? Right. I would love to cook over all cherry. I really mm-hmm. would. But... Where are you going to find a cherry tree in Chicago? Yeah. And I, yeah. Like, my guy can get get me cherry. He's like, no problem. I can get you cherry. And I'm like, awesome. What's the price? 
He's like, it's about one ninety or it's about two ninety five for a face cord. I'm like, no, I'm good, dude. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm good. Like he's giving me oak for one sixty. So it's like, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be at that one sixty level. Like, there's just no way that I can justify spending double. Right. It just doesn't make sense. And you know, as no. a business part, like as, as a business part, it just doesn't make sense. Especially when I like the result that like, if I had to do, or if it was like, listen, the flavor profile is going to be so much different. You've got to do it. Okay. Then it may, you know, then I understand it, but it's like, it, it's just not a different, like, it's not different enough to me. No, it, it's not going to be different enough to your average customer up here. Yeah. That's the, uh, you know, they the average customer up here again is looking at, you know, yeah, my mom used to make, you know, ribs in a crock pot. I'm like, okay, well, they just take the smoke ribs. You're going to, you know, you're going to go crazy about those. Yeah, like, you know, my mom used to boil them, and then you threw them on the grill for just to get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of hardness, right? It's like, man, right. okay, yeah, no. Well, let's not boil them. <laughs> Let, let's smoke yeah. them fully. Right. You know, and it's all about trying new things, and that's, you know, that's kind of like one of the things that I've liked about working with snake river farms is I'm trying new things. I'm trying new cuts of beef that I otherwise, you know, maybe wouldn't have had, or I'm, you know, starting to, you know, maybe cook things a little bit differently where it's like, you know, you know, if I go to the store and I'm, you know, buying a ribeye, I'm just going to cook it the same way every way because that works. Yeah. Now it's like, well, you know, I have this chance, you know, let's, let's try something new with it. You know, I, I, I had this cowboy ribeye that I did, you know, about a week ago. And I mean, it was just a beautiful steak. I mean, the marlin on it's fantastic, but yeah, it was, I was watching, <laughs> um, the chef show on Netflix. Have, have you ever seen that? Yes. Okay. And, and they did one on an episode with Wolfgang Puck recently where he took the same cut of beef that I had. Um, well, you know, his, you know, aged 60 dry age, 60 days course, or you yes. know, mine wasn't, but, you know, but he cooked it in a way that I'm like, you know, he cooked it raw and essentially took it on and, and then took it or put it on a, um, a cast iron skillet that had butter and oil in it and sliced it up raw and then put the slices on there to let that bring it back up to medium rare. So I tried that and it was fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that, you know, maybe I would have been a little bit more apprehensive to try. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I got to, you know. Let's let's try new things, and that's kind of what's pushing me to want to, you know, do more, try more, and see what I can do differently. Now, what's your what's your favorite cut that you've gotten from them? Because I know, uh, like we we did an egg fest together, um, uh-huh. or was it this year or was it last year? That was this year. That was uh, February. That okay. um, I, I know like, March March has been like I feel you know like six months. Yeah, I feel like it was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it was less than two months ago, Mikey. Oh, okay. I feel like it was like like literally like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think March twenty twenty did that to all of us. Yeah. Um yeah, no, yeah, we, we did that and then we did some flank steaks and those flank steaks those flank steaks were they have so much flavor. Um and my favorite cut that they've given me. I it's it's hard because it's like my favorite cut to do what with, um, because there's so many different. You know, I I'm, I'm realizing now that different cuts of beef have different purposes. You know, like of flank course. or skirt steak are awesome for yeah, they are. you know tacos and you know just I don't know, you know dude, different I just type like of flavor. Steak in general. <sighs> yeah. Um, 
my all-time favorite cut of beef, I think, would be their gold grade boneless New York strips. Okay. I've had a few of them that were, you know, that inch and a half to two inches thick, um, beautifully marbled. So, you know, they have black grade, which is, you know, significantly higher than prime. And then their gold grade, which is higher than that. Um, and the, just the texture and flavor that you get out of it, it's, it's almost like the texture of a filet, but you are almost getting the flavor of a ribeye. Um, it was really a, you know, re- really a cut that I have really liked. Now, um, are you, are you a big fan of, um, New York strips in general? I haven't been. You know, see, like, I'm you not. That's why about, I'm interested to see. To, to think of why you decided to say if New York. If you would have asked me two years ago, I would have told you my favorite cut is a filet. Really? You know, I like the thick filets. I, I, I just like the texture of it where it just kind of melts. You know, yeah. I, filets historically don't have that flavor. Yeah. That, you know, like a ribeye is going to have. Um, well, because there's no and, fat. Right. So now as I've been trying more and different things, I, I, I still like a ribeye. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I love a nice ribeye. But I, I think that the New York strip, especially, you know, like I said, a nice thick New York strip can kind of be that um, heavy medium of you're getting all this flavor from the marbling. Mm-hmm. But just the texture of it, you're not getting that chewy fat. And, you know, one of my favorite ways to do these is, again instead of doing it completely reverse seared on the grill, I like doing it with the sous vide. I think with the sous vide, you're cooking it a little bit longer. So some of that fat is just more, it's kind of more rendering down a little bit more. So it kind of melts into the meat and then you give it the quick sear. And I think that is one of the few steaks where I think sous vide in it. Oh, I shouldn't say one of the few steaks, you know, there's a lot of good steaks, but I mean, I, I really like reverse sear where you're doing it completely on the egg. But I think that the nice Wagyu New York strip, for me, my favorite way to prepare that is sous vide, searing it really hot on the egg then. Okay. Yeah, because it gives that it gives it time to break down all that all that fat inside of it and mm-hmm. do all that. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. You know, and it's even when it's cooked and you and I have slices of these and you look at the slices, you can still see some of the marbling in those slices. Yeah, because, I mean, if you render it all out, it's going to be dry as mm-hmm. fuck. <laughs> right, <And> overcooked. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that, so that actually has become my favorite. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to pick just one. But if I'm going to sit down and I'm like, I just want a steak, that's probably that my route. go-to. Right. I mean, and I think, I think that's where you, you are right in the sense of beef. Being like, man, that you know, there, there are so many prime cuts of beef where it's, it's, some of them are steaks and then some of them are not meant to be steaks. Um, some of them are just meant to be like, you can use them as roasts. You can use them, you can use them in so many different ways, which is why the, the cow is such a beautiful animal. Um, I know that, uh, the, um, oh, what's the other big cut that's coming from snake river farms that a bunch of people are doing? Uh, oh God, why is my brain, uh, blanking on this one? Uh, the picanha. They have okay. they have some beautiful picanhas. They leave they leave that nice fat cap on them, and if if you're um, 
a Brazil kind of steak fan where you take that picanha and you kind of roll it together and you sear the outside and you slice it really thin mm-hmm. and, and you keep that fat cap on there. Um, I know some people don't like the fat cap. Some people are like, yeah, it's too much fat for me. But I think like it, it's part of that. It's part of that thing. You know, you heavy salt, um, you know, a big, you know, big, big salt chunks go a long way on that, on that slice cut of meat you know you don't need a lot you don't need much else so yeah so snake river farms has the picanha they call it the coolie um you know i think that's the french name for it c i yeah. believe it's c-o-u-l-e-t i have one in my freezer now i have never actually cooked picanha i'm i got one last week and i'm literally looking forward to cooking it because you know i've seen it all on there it looks fantastic you know and I, i'm looking at this thing and, and it's hard to tell i mean they do a really good job of packaging and shipping it where it gets to me and it's still you know rock solid yeah i was gonna say um, hard as a rock it is and, and and like you look at it it's got the nice fat cap on top i flipped it over i'm checking it out and it's got the nice marbling so i'm looking forward to cooking it and yeah you know just like you described that's how i think i want to cook it. i'm going to cut it into the kind of some strips put it on some skewers with uh yeah. you know, kind of bending it over sear it and thinly slice it like the uh what are they gauchos in the brazilian steakhouses correct yeah um you know kind of just shave it off there and just kind of really enjoy that you know and i think that's one of those cuts that i look at and i'm like i want to be able to taste that you know the beef with the fat i mean you know of of course you know my my wife is one of those people where i don't want any fat on it if i look at it and i see fat i'm cutting it off that's fine you know to each their own but i i think that that serves a purpose you married her I know. Well, was, well, you know, the, the the plus side is that she's not eating the fat, so I can. <laughs> there you go. See, so, so you, you know, found you know she's not looking, I just take it off her plate. You found the silver lining. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, there's just more for me. Uh, I I will say that um that that's the one thing my my wife does eat the fat, so I'm I'm out. Okay. Yeah. You know, well, she does does your daughter. Um, sometimes it depends on her mood. Yeah. Yeah. I got one daughter that does and one daughter that, that, that doesn't. Cause you so. know, ours is still, ours is like, she'll be three this summer. Okay. So it still just kind of depends on All her right. mood. Yeah, on I mean, whether she's a three-year-old. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, she could eat peanut butter sandwiches every day. And then all of a sudden one day hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it just depends on her mood, depends on her day. Right. Some day, like it's so funny. The other day, she was like, "Mama, bacon," and we're like, "What?" She's like, "Bacon." Okay. I guess. Sure. Yeah, I guess you are my daughter. Yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, I guess so. That's that's what you're looking for. She's like, "Bacon." I'm like, "Okay, okay, I got you." You know, we'll we'll do we'll do some bacon for you if that's what sure. you want. You don't have to twist my arm. Yeah, and she's like just super into it, so I was like, okay. And yeah, it's funny. My she uh, doesn't like my... the shit bacon, dude. It, it needs to be like good bacon. And <laughs> <laughs> you have to cook it right, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. She likes it with a little bit of a chew, which is awesome. Right. Because I I like that. Makes me I have a myself. I have a brother-in-law that I like mine with a little bit of chew. You know, I don't want mine completely crispy. I have a brother-in-law that wants wimpy bacon. So <laughs> that's that's what he calls. He's like pretty much if you put it in the pan, 
five seconds, flip it over five seconds. I did it. Okay. Like, that is fantastic. I it's not like, for me, but that's fantastic. So I feel like if you have the right kind of bacon, that's fantastic. Like right. if you do like um like a barricose bacon from like like a barricose bacon from like Spain. Oh yeah. That shit needs to just like touch the pan and then you're like, okay, you're done. Cause it's so good. Mm-hmm. But I also I also have to say that it, it depends on what we are using that bacon for. Right? Right. Like, is it is it going on top of a burger? If it's going on top of a burger, I really don't want it to be super chewy. No. You want you want a little bit of that bite, you want a little bit of that texture, you know, and if exactly. you're using it like uh for you, like on you know, one of your toppings for your mac and cheese, you want it yeah. to have a little bit of that different in texture. Exactly. But so if you're gonna be eating patties. it next to an egg. Yeah, then then it can be a little bit chewy. Then I'm okay yeah. with that. So like I said, it just depends on kind of what we're using it for. Is it going into a sandwich? Then I want it to stand out a little bit. I want it to have a little bit of a crunch. Um, mm-hmm. Is it going on top of a mac and cheese? Which we do, like when we did the, the mac and cheese bar. Dude, mm-hmm. you know, we made, <laughs> we made so much damn bacon. So many people loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, uh, that's insane. The mac and cheese bar did was a hit. It was. <laughs> I'll say that. I did not think it was going to go... I didn't think it was going to do as well as it did. I really didn't. And obviously, I honestly, I didn't think that Fest was going to go as well as it did. Um, There were way more people than I think he told us to plan for. There was a lot more people than that. Was, and, and it's great. you know. And heading into it, I was talking to my buddy, um, um, Smoking Ty. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're like, yeah, we'll go cook. And we're like, it's in Milton, Wisconsin. Like, yeah. How many people are in Milton? And they must have had the whole town out there. I mean, it was awesome. Oh, God. Oh, I mean, well, granted, I mean, we, we, we had a beautiful day for, you know, February. I think it was like February 8th or whatever. And it yeah. was like, you know, 40 degrees out. And, you know, you're in your T-shirt. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was beautiful. Um, so, I mean, it was a great day for the egg fest. There was a lot of people there. It was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily think kind of how we think, you know, people think of mac and cheese and they're like, all right, you know, it comes in a blue box. I cook it and we eat it. Yeah. You know, where when you have, you know, pulled pork and bacon and all this stuff to throw on top of it, they're yeah, like, I mean, dude, we had venison, we had sausage, yeah. we had, we had short ribs, um, we had Korean style short ribs to throw on top of it. And everyone was just like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, mac and cheese is a vehicle. Yeah. It's, it's not an end all be all, but it can be a vehicle. And that's, that's kind of cool. And that's kind of one of those things where, you know, I'm sure for you, when you make that and you see people eat it and they're like, wow, I didn't know you could do this. That, That that's one of those things that, where it's like, yeah, I mean, you can do a lot of stuff with that. And it's just that aha moment when people eat your food that I'm sure kind of it's that drives you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it makes you want, it makes you kind of want to be even more creative, right? right. It makes you want to um, show more people. Like um, one of one of the guests that we had on the show previously, uh, Smoking Bears, um, he did, he did our, um, our, tomato soup bites uh which we did at the first polar barbecue i don't know if you ever got any of those yes uh, they were the uh yeah so like yeah yeah tomato soup wrapped in a a uh basically a, a roll and then there was cheddar cheese inside of it 
And but you did ice cubes of, of exactly, tomato soup, if exactly. I remember right. Yeah, so I froze them yeah, yeah. so that as it cooked, as the as the biscuit cooked around it, right, the center became kind of molten-y, right? Mm-hmm. So it warmed itself up and, and cooled, like, kept the center nice. And the cheese, you know, all, all, um, all nice. Plus, you can't really, there's no other way else to do it because you can't put liquid inside of a, you know, a biscuit without a right, a, a raw biscuit yeah exactly so when we did that i mean it just comes out perfectly and he's like yeah he's you know like, that's that's my daughter. one of those things where it's you know and, and that's one of the things that kind of got me into you know maybe the instagram social media as opposed to some of the uh you know forums and stuff like that when i first started out is is that you can use these ways to kind of inspire you to want to push yourself do more um, I think by and large, a lot of the, um, the social media, big green egg community, it's all kind of positive where it's, you know, oh, you yeah. draw from other people and see, Hey, what can I do to make myself better from it? Well, I know I pay, you know, I pay attention to your stuff all the time and I'll see something that you do. And I'm like, I like that. How do I make my own spin on it? Oh, hello. You know I, yeah. I still got you. You got you here. Sir Chris. Did we lose you? I can still hear you, buddy. Swear to be the boss. We got you back. Um, so sometimes, sometimes life goes crazy. Uh, Skype decided to kick me off. I don't know why or what 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 it did. Sometimes the world of Skype is crazy. But um, yeah, I think with Instagram, with with where we kind of left off with Instagram, like I I feel like like I I follow you. I follow a bunch of other people too, and it, it's like. I, I look at what you do and I'll be like, well, what can I do to put my own spin on that? Or mm-hmm. what can that look, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll be like, you know what? I'm, or like, I'm bored, right? I'm bored of cooking the same stuff. Cause we all get in that, like, oh, I'm going to cook this. 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 And we just keep cooking the same stuff. Right. Right. And then eventually it's like, what can I cook? That's not, the same right mm-hmm. and um then we're like okay cool i'm gonna cook i'm gonna start looking i start looking at instagram like that's my first thing that i start looking at is what is. can i see on instagram that's different and, I'll and, look and i think stuff. the nice the the nice thing about that side of things is it's mostly positive i mean there's not a lot of people that are gonna you know, there. Unfortunately, no matter where where you go, you're gonna get the people that are negative and you know that oh, wanna yeah. just tear people down. But most of it is all positive, so it's all a matter of okay, I see what you did. What can I do to put my spin on something? You know, what can I do to make something that you did but make it mine? And I think a lot of it is is just pushing each other to become better than we were yesterday. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you on that, and it, it's one of those things where I mean you're gonna get you're gonna get the negative Nancys or the assholes in general, right? And I, right. I think that's one of the um, one of the hard things you you know you, you always get that, and you can't you can't go around it. But like the the ninety five percent of my stuff is positive, I would say, and mm-hmm. I I just kind of focus on that. Like I know that you did like the other day which I've been getting yelled at now. So I want to say thank you 
because you had to be an asshole and post this beautiful photograph of ramen, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Uh huh. Thanks a lot. Yeah. No, it's fine. Uh, so I've been getting since you posted that, which was I'm looking at it right now, which was December 10th. Okay. I've been getting. So when are we gonna do ramen? And we still haven't done ramen. Well, and again, you know, Midwest and like you know, you, again, Chicago is a little bit more culinary advanced, and you know, we've the done ramen we before. We just haven't done it since. We haven't done it like for a while. And then you had to post that picture, and of course, Amanda's like, "Did you see that picture that Chris posted?" And I was like, "Yeah, which one?" She's like, "The ramen picture." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it looked really pretty. It was great." She's like, "Yeah, now I want ramen." <laughs> we we don't get that up here. Like, I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, "Hey, I where do we go out for ramen?" <laughs> like, there's you know, I mean, every once in a while there'll be somewhere that has a ramen pop up, and now you know we have three kids. It's not like okay, we can just go and go do that. So it's one of those things where we have to. Plan. to make it you know it's like all right well i'll just make some ramen um which is again it's been since december so i think i'm gonna have to do that coming up soon too oh, yeah, <laughs> that'll totally help me again yeah but I, I think that time that i did it i actually had my parents over too and it was one of those things where the broth i i made some miso broth and i'm like hey you know i, I have enough food and my parents were just kind of here i'm like why don't you guys just stay for dinner and yeah. You know, we can make some ramen. <laughs> it's yeah, why not? simple, but, you know, one of those, I, I think I actually made a good portion of that on the grill, too. I, I know the, the meat I made on the grill. Yeah. Um, and I had the, it running, so I may have even thrown the broth on there for a little bit. I know that when we did it, we did, I did a good portion, like, um, a good portion of our stuff on the grill. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly what we, I think we did, um. I don't remember what I did in it because I think you did a pork loin, right? You did a pork tenderloin. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a pork tenderloin and I think I did like a hoisin glaze on it and then yeah. uh, miso broth. Yeah. Um, I want to say we did – I want to say we did a pork tenderloin the time we did it too. But I don't remember. I just don't remember what we did. Um, but I think I, I think I grilled the uh, mushrooms mm-hmm. to add a little bit more of a grill you know, a little bit more of a char onto it. And then, um, I think I smoked the broth a little bit, mm-hmm. just a little bit, yeah. not, not, nothing crazy. Yeah. Now I got to make ramen, Mikey. Thank you. <laughs> hey dude, I've been getting hounded for ramen for three months and I've been a horrible husband and haven't made, haven't made ramen. Well, just just paying it back to me now. Yep. I just haven't had the, you know what, you know what it is? It, it, it's the forgetting like you know what i mean like you start doing stuff and you're like oh yeah we were gonna do that two days ago mm-hmm. Shit. oh we'll do it we'll do it in, we'll do it in we'll do it on sunday and then sunday comes around and it's like oh let's just get like let's just do something simple you know right. what I mean? yeah you're tired and you might not yeah. remember it and you know that's that that's one of the things that i find myself doing a little bit more right now again you know with the you know strange times that we're living in with yeah. the uh, uh, pandemic and coronavirus where, you know, we have a little bit more time at home. You know, we're ourselves, we're slowing down a little bit and I'm making a list of things that I want to cook next week. And I actually started, I think we actually started that list after we planned the things that we're making this week, you know, so we're just kind of thinking ahead, thinking about what we have. And, yep. you know, I think as a whole, that's, that's a good thing for us, you know, just to slow down a little bit. 
Did and you see, just uh, think. Do you follow Dr. Barbecue? I do. Did you see what he's been doing? Yeah, he's just doing a uh, freezer clean out. Yeah, which I just thought was so funny. I'm like, I kind of need to do that. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Because um, we, ha- well, we have one of the deep freezes that um, it's a chest freezer, mm-hmm. which I feel like once that thing goes and we, we need to get a new freezer, I won't get another chest freezer. I'm going to get like a stand-up freezer. Just because like I feel like it sometimes shit falls down into the abyss. Oh, it does. Of like the chest freezer, and like I'll clean it out, and then I'm like, what "The hell is down there?" Yeah, yeah. I have a small chest freezer and a small stand-up freezer right outside of my garage, um, and you know my chest freezer is usually the freezer that only I use. So that one, I know what's going in there. I know what's you know kind of there. My stand-up freezer, it's got four shelves on it, and you know it's one that you know my wife and I will both use, but. I have it like, okay, sausage and stuff, ground meats go on this shelf, chicken on this shelf, seafood on this shelf. So at least we're kind of somewhat organized that way. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm still finding stuff where it's like, you know, because we go to the store and, oh, lobster tails are three ninety nine each. I'll grab a couple and throw it in the freezer. Yeah. No, yeah. You know? And then you forget. Right. You just forget that it's in there. Right. Like, I have stuff, I'm sure I have stuff in there that I should <laughs> you know, and, and, and once a year, I probably, you know, clean out my freezers and I'm like, all right, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to write down everything I have. And I'm going to tape to the freezer. Oh, you're a better man than me. And that lasts for about a week. Okay. I was going to say, you're <laughs> because we're not paying we attention we don't to what we're taking out and what we're putting in. I, but we, we've been doing, we've been doing some clean out. We've been doing uh-huh. some, uh, let's see what's in the freezer. We'll, we'll pull that out. We'll use that. Um, and we've been doing that, and that's been that's been working well. Yeah, slowly. it is, and that's kind of trying to get rid of some stuff. It is, you know, and I, I have a habit of going to Costco, and okay, I'll buy a big pack of chicken breasts, and we'll split it up into two packs and freeze them all. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we're kind of going through that stuff. We went through there, and I'm like, hey, look, we got a couple of things of pastrami. Let's do some pastrami sandwiches next week. Let's do some, you know, shredded turkey sandwiches. So, yeah, it is kind of forcing us to do that, but focus on what we have so people that you know maybe don't have this type of stock built up they can buy the new stuff at the grocery store and they can kind of you know pay attention to that and it's i will say that's the one thing i do love about costco is they kind of like the chickens are already kind of like portioned out for you Mm -hmm. um so then i don't have to like waste half an afternoon yeah and 57 freezer bags or well that and my my food saver I, I have to update mine mine's an old one so it's not I'm, i mean mine's probably eight nine years old so it doesn't seal all the way and it only uh, has one setting where it sucks probably too much up and there's moisture in there and i'm like yeah i need to just invest in a new one yeah we're we use um we have a newer one i mean i when i say newer shit i want to say ours is almost six years old so it's definitely like it's almost you saying yours is eight i'm like damn that thing's still working because like, yeah. the other day we were i was trying to vacuum seal something and it was not wanting to seal and i was like motherfucker like why is this thing not working and i'm like okay cool i'm like i think it, i think it's gonna be time it's gonna be time to uh start start looking into uh 
another food saver. You know what I mean? Like, it, it worked for f- six years. I can't right. really complain. And I use it a lot. It's not like yeah. we're we're not we're not that household that's using it like, oh, we use it like once a month. No, I mean like we go through we go through a decent amount of bags and we use it mm-hmm. quite a bit. So I can't complain. Yeah. No, it's just something that I have to uh like I said, uh, just one of those things you have to remember to go out and go shopping for and then do it. Yeah, that that's the other thing. I know that every once in a while Costco will throw them on sale. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we got ours is when Costco threw it on sale. And I was like, damn, that uh that was a good deal. Yeah, you just gotta remember to walk down that aisle. That's a hard one. Cause that's the aisle with the cookware and uh you know that the pans you- and it's like, you know, I usually when I'm there it's straight for the meat section. Yeah. You're you're going one way. Your brain, right. your brain's in a one on a one track mind, and that's uh, that's that's one of the hardest parts. Yep, is is you're not thinking about it, and and then you get home and you're like, damn it! Like I was at Costco the other day, and I, I was going to buy for 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 the company, and I'm like, I can't forget foil, I can't forget foil, can't forget foil, and I'm driving home. I'm literally I'm 15 minutes from the kitchen, right? Um, mm-hmm. to drop off all, all, everything we got. And I'm like, I forgot the foil. <laughs> yep. I was like, damn it. The one thing that I was like telling myself the whole time, and I should have wrote it down. I really should have. But um, I was just kind of going on a whim to see what I could get and then make my menu later. Normally, I'm really good at writing out my whole menus for the whole week and, and having like my list and I just, I didn't do it. And it, it, it was, you know, it's what happens. And that's what happens when you don't write your list. It does. And unfortunately it's been happening to me too. So I, I feel where you're coming from, you know, and speaking of your company, you know, I, I gotta tell you, your, uh, fire and smoke seasonings are awesome. Dude, thank um, you. I just use the, uh, shiitake tonight, actually on uh, some tenderloin tips that I made. And, you know, it's one of those, you know, talking to you about the process that you go through with making it, how you smoke all your own shiitake mushrooms, yep. and then you're, you know, you're drying them, you're grinding them. And, you know, and it's that one, especially it's, you know, there's nothing like that out there. There there really isn't. Um, I, ha- and I, I don't mean to say it like, Oh yeah, there's nothing else. Like, you know, we created this new thing. Like I re- really don't mean it that way, but like, there's really no rub that has smoked shiitake mushrooms in it. No, and it's it, it's it's great, especially on steak. You know, it just adds that earthiness without oh, yeah. without overpowering the flavor of the meat, and that's something that I really like. Um, you know, the the classic is great. That's just one of those all-purpose seasonings that I you know throw on eggs. But I feel like you know, to be, to be honest, my my, my favorite one of yours to throw on eggs is the uh, six corners. Dude, Paul said the same thing to me the other day. Yeah. He's like, this is he's like, you should just remake this an egg rub. And I'm like, well, it's a brisket rub. And he's like, no. He's like, it's amazing on eggs. And I'm like, yeah, what? I, I I like the strong pepper. I like a little bit of heat on my eggs. I like to, you know, the, the, the flavor that that brings to it. And it's 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 fantastic. So I, you know, I, I love what you're doing as uh, you know, your company, and I think you gotta keep rocking it out, man. Oh, we dude, we we are continue go we are continuing it. Uh, we're rocking it out. We're making 
you know, as much seasoning as we possibly can. Um, the shiitake is always hard. You know, we get we get hit up by a couple of different comp guys, and they're like, you know, they're like, is there, um, you know, can we buy, you know, in bulk? And I'm like, yeah, we can do anything in five pound bags except for the shiitake. And one guy's like, what do you mean you can't do the shiitake in five pound bags? I'm like, we just don't do the shiitake in five pound bags. And he's like, well, why not? I'm like, because you would literally like deplete my my stock so fast if I offered five pound bags. Just because like, it, so we we normally get probably about forty. We get forty pounds of mushrooms at a time. Mm-hmm. And guys, remember mushrooms don't weigh a lot. Okay, so forty pounds. A lot of mushrooms. Yeah, but when you smoke that, that has to cut down the weight quite a bit too. So what we do, okay, so we take 40 pounds. By the time we smoke it, dehydrate it, and grind it, it fits into... It fits into one of my, like, medium-sized Cambro containers. Wow. Yeah. So just think about, like... How like, like, how much it goes down? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Like, we lose so much. It, it's not even funny. Like, it's insane how much water weight these things just spew out. I'm sure, and you know, and just the process that that takes. But that's one of those things where, you know, when you have that rub and you try it on that i mean like i said it's just a different flavor that it you know it it, it enhances the flavor of a steak instead of overpowering it so i that's one of the reasons why i like it so much yeah it and that that's really what it was meant to do and then uh you know southbound rob right yeah so he he's uh he says that it's one of his favorite asparagus rubs oh yeah. He's like, he's like, I put on asparagus. He's like, it's one of my favorite things to put it on. And I'm like, I never thought about it. He's like, I, I made it to be a steak rub, right? And right. he's like, yeah. He's like, but if you put it on veggies, he's like, it just kind of brings them up. Like it elevates them up. And I'm like, man, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. And again, you know, that's what kind of the, the cool part of that social media is, is you see these other people that use things in different ways that you don't think of. And yep. Well, I guess that's something I'm going to have to try because asparagus is one of those few vegetables that I can count on all of my kids eating. Yeah. So if you put them on asparagus, uh, apparently you'll have a perfect asparagus. You know, you'll have the perfect asparagus. Um, and he says that it just kind of – that earthy flavor really get you know, it lends itself really, really well to it. And he just – he loves it. You know? That's like, awesome. And – I, I never thought it was going to be really in a, like, uh, I never thought it was going to be a, uh, like, veggie rub. Because I just didn't think about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, I didn't, I guess, I don't want to say that I didn't, like, make it that intentionally. But it's like, I wasn't, that was not my intention. I wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we're going to make it in a, you know, we're going to make it in a, you know, we're going to make this a, uh, a veggie rub. Like, we just didn't think about that. That's awesome. So it, it was very cool that he found, like, almost like a new a new way to uh, to use it, right? Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, I, I was super happy with it. I was like, oh, cool. That, that's a great, uh, a great way to do it. So I was really right happy. And it's always cool when 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 your rub has has multiple purposes, right? Because then it's oh, not sure. just being used on on steak; it's being used on all these other things. Well, Chris, dude, I want to say thank you so much for coming and chatting barbecue with us. This was this was way too much fun, and and I I loved having you back on the show. Um, we'll have to have you back on again, and I'll have to we'll have to after these strange times are over, we'll have to get back together and cook again. Um, I'll try to get back up to uh, up to the Green Bay area and hang out with you and the fam. I know you guys are you guys are all fantastic humans and yeah, that would be a that'd be a blast. You know, we'll once this, you uh, once we get back to our normal and you know, I'm yeah. sure we could sit here and talk for about four hours, but that might be a little bit long for a podcast, right? I mean, it, unless you're Joe Rogan, yeah. I, I feel like people <laughs> stop listening to me after a while. <laughs> Although we have gone for an hour and twenty five minutes, so it, it has been a good. It has been a good. Oh, it wow. has been a good, nice, long podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, that's been fantastic. It's it's always a pleasure. You know, I could you know sit and shoot the shit with you for for hours, and you know it's effortless. So yeah, you know, hopefully some people found uh, some of this information useful, and hopefully we'll, we'll keep going. Yeah, you know, so, give me a follow on my social media. Most most of what I do is on Instagram. That's Titletown Griller. And uh, if people have any questions, feel free to shoot me a message. So I like to end the podcast in a new, different way. If uh-huh. you had to go back to the beginning of your barbecue cooking career, right? Uh-huh. What are three tips that you would give yourself to to shorten your learning curve? Oh. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing is, is don't be afraid to fail. Um, for me, you know, it's like, you know, everything has to be perfect. And, you know, you kind of a little bit sheltered at first and I think you learn a lot through trying. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, that's one. Another one would be, uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I, I think once I started, you know, getting a little bit more associated or acclimated to people, sort of making some friends, it was a little bit easier to talk to them. And, you know, I think you learn a lot just from talking to people, asking questions and kind of learning that way. You know, there's a lot of people you find that are willing to talk, so don't be afraid to ask questions and talk to them. And then my third one would be just don't be afraid to try new things. I think, uh, you know, as you start to grill and barbecue, you start trying new things, maybe open your eyes to different types of foods, different foods that you maybe didn't like originally. And I think that's what kind of pushes you to be better. Oh, yeah. I think those are great ones. I really do. I think think you're hitting them all on the head. Once again, guys, it's Chris from Titletown Griller, all one word. Um, make sure you go and check him out. Uh, check him out on Instagram. Like you said, that that's the majority of your your content comes out right right there on yep. Instagram. Uh, so go check him out. Give him a follow. Fantastic human. He's putting out some amazing, amazing barbecue, um, amazing grilling. Some very cool, some very cool videos and grilling tips. Um, if you are a Kamado style cooker. Uh, it'll help you tremendously. If you're not, uh, you can take any of the cooking techniques to any other type of cooker. Yeah. You know, you're not doing anything that can't be done on a different, on a different grill. So, um, you just, you choose to be in an egg and, uh, then you can just kind of divide and conquer into, uh, into a different cooker. Yep. Just adapt to your style and have fun with it. Man, dude, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, my pleasure, Mike. You take care.